Ari Rosenbaum here with another fun-filled episode of that 4K podcast. This week's topic we're going to talk about retirement plan committees. Plan sponsors need to know about it. And some funny experiences with different kinds of committees over the years. I always joke about it. But of course, first things first, go to that 4 for further information on all our live events. Seattle's in two weeks. Uh, looking forward to it. Never been to Seattle. We got Braves, Mariners tickets, a whole bunch of people speaking. Uh, special guest Dan Wilson, who, uh, as my son Jason will point out, Dan Wilson is having a Funko Pop giveaway the next day, but we got tickets for that Friday on September 9th. September 10th, uh, if you are in Seattle, there will be a Pop Funko giveaway uh, for Dan Wilson. And of course, people always ask me all the time, how do you get your guests? You know, I work with Larry and uh, my son, uh, who's off from summer camp, uh, would say, so why can't you get so-and-so? Which is an interesting question. And, uh, you know, he's uh, he's going into business for himself, my son, trying to, you know, come up with ideas for events and where he wants to go. And he keeps on insisting, well, you know, you can get Ricky Henderson for Oakland. And you know, Ricky Henderson isn't going to show up to any of my events for less than $25,000. And when my budget for uh, athletes is just a fraction of that, you're kind of limited. And, of course, it's also limited to where they are. Um, I remember the first event I did in uh, City Fields way back when in 2018, you know, Larry was explaining to me, you know, Doc costs this and if you want Mookie he costs this but Mookie lives in Atlanta so if you want to you know bring Mookie to an event you got to come up with an airline ticket too so that means that uh, the athletes we have at all these events they're local to the area I remember Ryan Klesko uh, in Atlanta lived very very nearby he had a condo nearby and whatnot so that explains that that 4ksite.com for further information on all our live events. Charlotte will be November the 18th. And then in January, we are going to have a virtual, national virtual two-day event again. Um, I lowered the fee to $2.23 to be a part of it. Two days, five hours or six hours each day of content. Um, you know, the beauty of this is through Zoom, it's all uh, recorded. So if you, you know, got a business to run, or as they would quote from the uh, Cheers episode, uh, the bowling episode, you know, he's got a life, you know. You can always go to YouTube at a later time and see what you missed, and, and you know, it, it's there for you. Uh, you know, you can watch it live, or you can watch it on Memorex, which is a, a nice segue to that. So again, go to that com for further information. Um, as far as committees go, um, retirement plan committees, it's always an interesting concept. Um, it's an effective tool in retirement Quite honestly, a lot of plan sponsors don't have one. And, uh, the joke that I've always had about committees is not retirement plan related. I worked at a law firm and, um, so long ago, and I only spent two years there, and I've spent 12 years on my own in my own practice now, which is hard to believe, but I always joke about that. And I think that people, uh, why do you talk about that? It, it's just, it's just, it's just, you know, it's a hilarious story to me. Um, I, 
talk about it a lot because, you know, that was the experience and, you know, it's part of the story. Oh, you know, he couldn't make money as an associate. Why did he think he could start his own, whatever it was? But it was always, and you're, you're, you're around negativity all the time and pe people treat you badly. You're, you're going to remember that. So um, my favorite part of talking about committees is, is that uh, we had this magic attorney and her name was Lois, and if you've read my stories, um, I would mention a lot in articles, but um, I remember when I was there, I was very big proponent of social media, you know, posting articles, and Twitter, and all that kind of stuff, and that was, you know, really at the cusp of the explosion and the use of social media, and we had uh, an attorney there who wasn't even a partner at the time who was the, the advertising committee. There was no advertising committee. There was one person, and he uh, said that Twitter and LinkedIn and all that kind of stuff was fell on the advertising rules and the New York State attorneys, which is complete and utter nonsense. If what you're doing on social media is advertising, then quite honestly, you're doing it wrong, uh, in my opinion. Uh, if I was just commercial and said, oh, you know, hire me, my plan documents are, you know, $2,000 or my amendments or this, this, and that, that's advertising. Putting out great content, um, you know, I'm trying, you know, all these articles over the years, once a week and all the blog posts and uh, the podcasts and all that stuff. If I'm being a commercial, then I'm, I'm then I'm, that's advertising. Hire me, blah, blah, blah. You know, you, you give people content, uh, it's free. It's information, they could use it or, or not. And when they need you, the, you know, I, you know that, that's, that's really what it started from. You know, Ari writes these articles, he helped me out because I use these articles to recruit business. And when he's got a, when I got a client that needs Arissa help, I'm gonna talk to Ari. I'm not gonna talk to somebody else because Ari helped me out for free. And I'll remember that. And that was the whole premise of the articles. And again, to say that that was advertising, but anyway, the story goes is that, again, I was big on social media and uh, Lois creates a committee for social media and she didn't include the people that were interested in the social media. It was me and there's another guy in the XC office who, who, who's, you know, these days his Twitter is more comedy than anything else. He's in the, uh, he's not even a you know, practicing attorney anymore. He's more of a, um, a, you know, a charity consultant or whatever it is. But anyway... Which Craig Flamini, she put the advertising guy who was clueless about social media, and she put on the uh, tech guy who wasn't an attorney. And she didn't put me on it. She didn't put, you know, the other attorney interested on it. So my joke was, if she wanted to kill an idea or, or kill interest, she would just create a committee for it. And the other favorite committee story... Uh, as, as bad as the law firm experience was, being vice president of synagogue was, and sometimes worse. And we would create committees, and the committees would never meet. Um, you know, there would be a, a, treasure, a treasurer, and he was the big financial guy because he happened to be an accountant. And there was a, a committee for that, and nobody partook in it. No, he never bothered to have meetings. And uh, I think uh, I was in charge of the membership committee, and I didn't bother to have meetings either. Um, a couple years ago, 
I was asked by my school newspaper from college to be on, you know, this alumni committee, whatnot, on fundraising, which, you know, fundraising was a big deal for me when I was at the synagogue. I, I ran two successful fundraisers, both comedy shows with um, a friend of mine, Senator Krenquist, who's a comedian, and uh, Sal Stockbrook from the Howard Stern Show. And um, we had one committee meeting, and... Uh, I was on the committee with two guys who have newspaper experience. And I was talking about all these guys, you know, all these ideas. Oh, we could sell T-shirts and, you know, stuff with our logo and all that. And, you know, the two accountants, uh, two accountants, the two newspaper guys, uh, one especially was focusing too much on the unrelated business tax concept of it. And um, the unrelated business tax concept means that uh, not-for-profits really can't go into business. Um, it's just, you know, a church can't open up a 7-Eleven without paying unrelated business tax. Um, and so there was concern about that. And I said, you know what, I work with unions. I work with one union in particular. And I covered this issue, and the use of our logo... Uh, for fundraising is not unrelated business tax. You know, had we opened up a 7-Eleven store, if the statesman, Sutterbrook statesman opened up a 7-Eleven store and competed against the 7-Eleven across from the train tracks at the Stony Brook Long Island Railroad Station, well, yeah, that's unrelated business tax. So anyway, what happens? We have that one committee, and we never have another meeting, and I think that that's like two years ago, whatnot. Actually, I think it's story, I think it's before COVID, maybe. I don't even remember. But the question is, why should a plan sponsor start up a retirement plan committee? And again, um, I'll go back to that back-to-school line where Thornton Mellon doesn't understand why his son wants to buy used books. And the son says, well, you know, they've been highlighted before. And Thornton Mellon always says, well, what if that guy was a maniac? And um, the same thing um, could be said about the idea of the retirement plan where one person is running it and responsible for the retirement plan. And what if that person was a maniac? And I can tell you, um, you know, my wife, um, working at, you know, two employers in particular, um, the HR director who wasn't doing much HR work was running the 401k plan and they were running it poorly. Um, and that, that's the problem. A retirement plan committee should have more than one member on it. It should be used in managing the retirement plan. Um, you know, a, a retirement plan committee that has more than one member is, is obviously going to be uh, more vigilant than one person charge a plan that might be incompetent. Again, this isn't really a knock against anybody because sometimes the one person charge a plan who's incompetent is the owner. So, you know, the idea of a retirement plan committee is that it should be a check and balance and it should have more than one person involved. And... You know, who should be on the committee? Um, you know, it should be include anyone who serves as a plan fiduciary. Uh, you know, you want somebody from senior management. Uh, could be a CEO, COO, HR director. You know, you could have participants on it. Uh, there should be somebody taking notes. You should have a secretary. The size of the co committee really should be dependent on the size of the company. Um, you know, I... Again, the, when I talk about Meyer Swazi's plan, and I always joke about the plan and how I kind of saved them, and they paid me back by not getting me involved in the management of the plan. 
there were only two members of the committee. They were the trustees, and they were the same folks who didn't bother to have advisors in the plan for 10 years and didn't update the fund lineup and whatnot. And, um, you know, they made the decision to switch providers without telling me whatnot. And I learned later that they, they had issues. Um, and, you know, because of uh, uh, my articles uh, criticizing them, uh, the HR director did not want me to come back and, and help them out when I was with my own practice. You know, people do have um, grudges, and I, I certainly understand that. But, you know, um, on the, the flip side of it, you should not have too little members, but too many is the problem. You know, I, I remember we had a, a synagogue had a Hebrew school committee, and that was one of the few committees that actually had meetings. And you had 10 people on the board, and you had 35 kids in the school. Um, and many of them were people who didn't have kids in the school anymore. So I think that it needs to be focused, it needs to be the right amounts, and it has to have the right people on there. Um, you know, uh, a joke about the synagogue was is that uh, we had two women who were um, presidents of the PTA, and, and they no longer had kids in the schools, which made no sense. Uh, but then again, in, in my local village, uh, in Oceanside, the Chamber of Commerce has people on the board and a, a president who, who doesn't own Oceanside business, and, and some of the people on the board don't own any business whatsoever. So, you know, when people are upset about how business, local businesses are dying in Oceanside, Look that the Chamber of Commerce doesn't run events, doesn't do any type of advertising to help local businesses, and um, they give these positions of power to people who don't do anything for it and just kind of want it to pad their resume. But one another part that you know the committee has to do is obviously set up bylaws and responsibilities. Um, you know, uh, again, um, I joke about you know my my situations with committees. So uh, again, there was that advertising committee one, um, and um, there were other committees. So if I want to get an article to be produced, I'd have to write it. It would take the marketing department a lot of time to prepare it, and it, it'd have to go through these committees, the advertising committee, the management committee, I, I, one of the, the senior ERISA attorney who didn't know anything about ERISA, uh, she, I think she had to give her approval. So it takes six months to get an article published. And when I was, you know, struggling to generate business because nobody there would help me, I thought that the articles would be a great way to do that. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, sometimes committees can be the stick in the wheels of progress, and they really shouldn't be. Um, they need to be... Uh, part of the progress, not the stick in the wheels of it. They have to have responsibility and purpose. Uh, they need to have rules and responsibilities, and that's what the bylaws are for. Um, it really tells what the purpose is. It really says, you know, th this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to have. This is how many meetings we're going to have. This is what we're going to have to do. And, you know, it's a process, and, you know, uh, it's got to be part of the process. It can't be, again, you know, like my school college paper where, you know, again, we have, we have a fundraising committee on paper, but in actuality, it's not really doing anything. And what is the committee supposed to do? Um, you know, my opinion, again, um, or, you know, a retirement plan committee really has to have 
responsibilities. It has to have a reason for being. You know, a committee without a purpose is kind of like uh, just window dressing. And at the very least, the uh, retirement plan committees have to, you know, partake in that role. Because essentially, you know, the committees delegated these duties and, um, you know, a retirement client committee should under really understand the five basic responsibilities of the plan fiduciary, you know, that the plan's got to provide an appropriately diversified selection of investment options, plan's assets must be managed prudently, plan's costs should be reasonable, decisions about investments should follow guidelines specified in the plan document, and obviously investment policy statement needs to be done. And all decisions must be made in the best interest of the plan and its participants. Can't go into business for yourself. Uh, you know, don't uh, switch providers like they did with one place where I work at, where they switched us from Fidelity to insurance-based platform to save their pricing on the insurance-based platform. By the way, I'm a big Fidelity fan, uh, as well as any type of platform that uh, you know, Matrix. Uh, you know, all these low-cost, Vanguard, all these, you know, kind of no uh, no hiding the fees type uh, platforms. And if I didn't mention you, I apologize. I'm just from my experience, um, personal experience firsthand. Uh, Fidelity was always a good platform for me. But uh, again, another responsibility for, um, you know, retirement plan committee is the investment review. And, uh, you know, hiring a financial advisor, um, you know, that could be a 321, 338. Obviously, if you hire a 338, a um, lot less work to do as a plan fiduciary because you uh, gave that 338 advisor the responsibility and the powers to handle a lot of the stuff on their own. Regardless, there needs to be an investment policy statement whether it's a 321, 338, or co-fiduciary or whatnot. And uh, it's got to spell out, um, you know, the requirements for uh, investments and whatnot. And it's also really got to um, be followed. The whole purpose of a policy is that it should be followed, and if you're not following it, that's going to be a problem. Obviously, fee disclosure, um, you know, that's really got to be followed through. Um, you know, uh, committee's got to review the uh, costs involved with a retirement plan. Um, so our retirement plan committee has to benchmark the fees to determine whether the fees being paid are reasonable for the service provider. Other issues, obviously, um, you know, uh, looking at plan participation, I think, is something that uh, needs to be focused on. Um, a good advisor will break it down. Uh, and not only just advisor, but actually the uh, TPA, if you got a good platform and easy to understand reports, they'll tell you how much people defer, or how much, how many people participate and all that. And, uh, you know, look at plan design. Is the plan still working for the company? You know, when you starting out, you might have one plan provision, profit sharing contributions. You may require a safe harbor design, new comparability, whatever it may be. Um, and I think that's something that's always neglected about. And obviously, you know, when it comes to employer contributions, can the employer pay for it? You know, uh, maybe business is tough and they can no longer make the safe, uh, safe harbor contribution or matching contribution or whatnot. 
Next, conflict of interest policy. Um, that's something that's not done in my town, man. It's it's all conflicts of interest. Um, it's, it's really funny. Uh, years ago, I, I, I created a, a page that was very, very critical of the school board. Um, I got a, a negative decision uh, surrounding uh, one of my kids, and I went to school board meetings and just realized that it was just merely a rubber stamp. And then you learn that, you know, members of the school board uh, got you know, their, their kids were hired. Uh, that created a conflict of interest, uh, in my opinion. And uh, there was one community sycophant uh, for the school board who, uh, you know, uh, just lionized and just kissed the rear ends of the school board. And I remember seven, eight years ago, I said, yeah, this guy's bucking for a, a job for one of his kids. And this week, I, I look at the minutes, and his daughter just got a job uh, working for the schools. So, um, you know, when you hire people who just are, are, are uh, you know, kissing rear ends and whatnot, um, and you do things that are, you know, like I say, going into business for yourself, that's a conflict of interest. Uh, again, pushing my 401k plan from Fidelity to an insurance-based platform because... You know, you wanted to save pricing for the insurance company, that, that's a problem. Or if you move the 401k plan because you bank there and that's where your line of credit is, that's, that's a conflict of interest. And uh, you hire your cousin, that's a conflict of interest in my opinion. And you need to have a policy in place where the interests are, are done that, uh, you know, conflicts, uh, you know, it's got to state what they are, and they need to be identified, and, and, and the procedures to be put in place to ensure that these conflicts will not interfere with the committee's ability to carry out their activities in an objective manner. Because again, the plan is supposed to be for the benefit of the participants, and that's why we have prohibitive transaction rules and whatnot. So we need, I, I think a committee needs to have a conflict of interest policy in place. Last but not least, I think everything should be documented. Um, you know, uh, minutes should be kept, meetings should be held, uh, and everything should be documented. Uh, I still, to this day, will believe that uh, there should be an attendance policy, not attendance policy, but an attendance sheet for those uh, who uh, partake in the enrollment meetings and the materials given out for these enrollment and education meetings and the advertising for it and all that kind of protection and all that kind of stuff that people just really don't do. But uh, that's it for this week of That 4K Podcast. Uh, please tune in next week. And, of course, go to that4ksite.com as we get closer and closer to Seattle and Charlotte. So um, that's that. And uh, hope to hope you tune in next week for another episode of That 4K Podcast. Take care.